Welcome back to another episode of the Addictive Pod. I've talked a lot on this podcast about amends. I did a whole episode a while back on the art of a genuine apology with Coach Drew. And on this episode, my guest talks about something just as important as amends. That topic is forgiveness. Experiencing sexual abuse in childhood, and then finding out that his stepdad was not his biological father, my guest escaped into drugs and alcohol to numb the feelings of not belonging. Drug dealing, drunk driving, arrests, all of this led him to the point where he could not face himself in the mirror anymore, and he chose to become a better dad for his kids. To recover fully, my guest had to face his perpetrator and truly forgive him. Only then could he let go of the shame and loneliness that fueled his addiction. Please join me in welcoming the creator of Grounded Phoenix, zooming in from LA, Johnny Alvarez. Johnny Alvarez, welcome to the Addictive Pod, man. It is so good to meet you. What's grounded, homie? What'd it do? <laughs> Not much, man. This is the first thing you're doing in the day, right? It's only 9 a.m. in LA? It's 9 a.m., but actually the first thing I did was get my puppy out so he could go take a leak. I didn't want him to pee on his crate. I got an American bully, man. So I'm on Oh wow. I'm a I'm a dog dad now, and I'm really stoked about that. Um That's an awesome way to start the day. Yeah, I'm really excited to to hear your story, to hear more. I think where it where it starts, what I'm really curious about is you talk about trauma um in your in your podcast and on YouTube, and I'm curious what your life was like before experiencing trauma what memories you have uh as a kid and what that was like growing up and that's that's a deep subject we're gonna start right there bro oh right. we're going we're going in <laughs> hey all right cool and i mean and i love talking about this you know i feel like there's not enough men talking about trauma in particular you know uh you know we're kind of conditioned to kind of hold in our feelings and not really talk about the things that are really bothering us but for me trauma man shit i i when I go back and I look at my experiences with trauma, it it wasn't only like that one experience when I got sexually assaulted as a child. Like I, once I started journaling, once I started really getting to know like my demons on the inside, you go as far back as to like when I fucking met, I fucking found out that my stepdad was my stepdad, you know, my whole life mm. for like at least 12 years i thought he was my biological father and a lot of things started clicking when i found out that he wasn't my my biological dad um there was this incident where i had gone to san diego actually in tj to with my uncle and we all went all my siblings we were little and they had stopped him at the border and and he he was like getting into it with the guy and he's like why do these kids have different last names and how come they look different woo woo and then i was like what the fuck like what do you mean? And I would always get it from kids like, Hey, you and your brother and your sister, how come you guys don't look alike? And like, I would, I'm bro. I'm so gullible. I'm so naive. Sometimes I don't want to believe stuff because I know I'm going to hurt. And like, it was true. You know, none of us looked, looked alike, but like a a part of me really didn't want to accept it. Although my intuition was like, yeah, you know, that shit's true. It's funny. My sister calls me Mowgli because I'm the darkest one out of the, out of the family. Like from the jungle book. Yeah. Mowgli from the jungle book. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. So um, I, I gotta say it starts off when my parents, um, they started getting, you know, separated. Um, it was when I was 12, that's when it really started. And by that time I had already had my first drink. 
um but what what really fucked me was like the 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 moment that like birthed my victimized mindset was the the day i found out he wasn't my real dad because it mm-hmm. it went down like this bro i was in the 12 uh, i was 12 i was you know i was always playing basketball I was I always hanging around with the ballers, right? That was me, the kid with the headband and the wristband, and always playing. I had my basketball everywhere, bro. And uh, I was kind of I was hanging around like the wrong cats because I was I always wanted to be that cool guy. I always wanted to be cool with everybody. I was cool with the rockers, with the greasers, with the ballers, with the gangsters, with the taggers, with some of the nerds. Like I was, I had Yu-Gi-Oh cards and I played ball and hanged out with the gangster guys, dude. Like it didn't matter to me. I was cool with everybody, and uh so one of the homies he was smoking weed and it was this is like the seventh grade and where i grew up at you know that's that's like average the time to start smoking weed and shit and i was like nah man i don't want to get caught like it smells and he's like well i got some crystal meth you want to do that i was like does it smell (laughs) and he's like nah but it burns he's like but it burns and i was like fuck it let's do that um so i did a line of crystal meth i split each I split the line on each nostril and that shit burned like a motherfucker. And right away I was lit. And I tell you, man, that day I started thinking that I could tap the backboard. Yeah. I was like, I was like four eleven, and then I could not touch the backboard. But that day I was, I was practicing layups like nonstop thinking that I could tap the backboard. And I was like sore as fuck the next day, but here I am just playing basketball. Like I'm, madman trying to tap the backboard over and over and over and that's all i kept doing and my homies were like bro are you okay you're tripping and my eyes were dilated as fuck um one of one of my friends she was actually taking care of me after because i started tripping out they walked me to my parents to my to my house right and as i'm walking up there i get home and i'm trying to hold my composure and my mom's already you know, she's like, I don't know, maybe three modelos in or something. She got a cool little buzz. And every time she's drinking, it's always because of something. She always had like a reason to drink and it was never a good one. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, hey, I need to talk to you. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't want to look at my eyes. I'm just trying to keep my, my head down. And she, I was like, yeah, what's going on? She was like, you know, it's been something I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. I think it's time that, you know, and I'm like, well, she's like, yeah, well, you know, um, your dad, he's not your dad. And in that moment, I was like, what the fuck? I'm all tweaked out over here. And now I find out that my this this fucking superhero that I had, you know, dude, keep in mind, I was that boy. I was that little kid um, that would probably be arguing with somebody like you as to whose dad was stronger. Like, oh, my dad can mm, carry a car yeah. with one arm. Like, I, that guy. You really glorified him. Yeah. Big time, dude. I went everywhere with him. You know, and it's crazy as it seems everywhere I went, people would say, hey, that's your son. And he would say, yeah. And like they would like, you know, you know, like whisper things. And I and I never thought too much of it. And then everything all of a sudden started clicking. I was like, holy shit. My intuition was right, you know, and that's when my my victimized mindset really kicked in. And from that moment on, dude, it it was really like, okay, you know, like I'm going to start smoking. That's when I started smoking weed after that. Um, I didn't, I never did meth again because it was just too strong. Like I didn't like that shit. I didn't sleep for like two days. What a way to start. Holy. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And it's, and it's crazy. Actually, my first, um, 
I actually got blacked out drunk, wasted before that, which I didn't talk about because I don't think it was part of my trauma. But I, I went to Mexico and I got hella drunk and I was basically sipping from everybody's beer, like just drinking as soon as they'd put it down, like all the grownups and I would drink it and they wouldn't tell me shit. But I got, ended up getting drunk off of that. And I blacked out. And the last thing I remember was like dancing with my aunt. And like, there's this Mexican dance where like, you're supposed to like turn the, turn the woman down. And like, I tried to do that to my aunt and I dropped her. <laughs> and I dropped her. And you're like ass. 11, you're like 11 years old or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the God. Mexican culture, bro. They don't, you know, like that's, that's how we bond together. You know, that's how it, alcohol is big for us. You yeah. know, you turn a, you yeah. turn a beard down. That's disrespectful. Yeah, that's like a classic uh, Latino party thing is like a young kid just getting getting wasted, taking drinks from everybody. That's that's yeah, um, I have uh, I'm quarter Mexican, actually. I have a lot of nice. background as well in Canada. That's right. But, uh, so you're only 12. You you had your dad on this pedestal. You you looked up to him and then suddenly you find out that he's not your dad. You, you talk about the victim mindset. Can you explain uh, like what was the thought process there? Was it like, OK, they uh these people lied to me these people uh weren't um they weren't telling me the truth and so they harmed me in this way and and i'm a victim was that what was going through your mind or what was that like oh yeah dude everything they did was was just bullshit to me after that you know no matter what my look man my my dad you know i still call him my dad you know uh, rest in peace he died you know but but my dad my dad man he and this is something I had to write down on my fourth step, bro, because I didn't even get to apologize for all the shit that I said to him. And, you know, I, I didn't really appreciate all the things he did because after this event, he was such a great dad, man. He bought me my first car. He got me my, my, my permit to drive. He paid for the driving school. He took me to my first freaking bas- uh, Lakers basketball game, plus a plus one. He took me to go see WWE Rise War. Like, there's so many things this man did for me, but every, anything he did, like, it didn't matter to me. Like, it, I was like, mm. I was just so like hurt. Um, all of these nice things, you know, like the great dad that he was, they canceled out by that one move of me, you know, of them like lying to me. But then again, like. I didn't understand, you know, like yeah. at what age, at what age do you tell your kid? You know, now that I'm a father, it's like, fuck, if that, if that happened to me, like at what age do I tell my kids? And like, I would say probably the sooner, the better. That's just my, my experience. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe someone might disagree, but like, I'm very open with my kids now, like any little thing, you know, I'm separated from my kids, uh, mother and they, they know everything. What an experience, man, to like see yeah having having gone through your own childhood traumas and issues and then to be a dad now and to have that opportunity to to be a good dad and i just think that's such a powerful experience and um but tell me more about that uh about as alcohol enters the scene and as weed enters the scene so you're only 12 you're you're in this victim mindset where does that take you well, that that takes me to uh, hitting the rave scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was I, I hit the rave scene pretty hard, but prior to the rave scene, you know, I was always I was always the athlete, but at the same time, I was that athlete that liked to to party. Um, uh, I would drink in school, smoke weed in school. I w- <laughs> it wasn't at that time. I was probably smoking weed. It was probably stress, like some sort of there were seeds in there and everything. But I would I would get more of a headache than actually high. 
um, you know, in the eighth, ninth, 10th grade. But once I started getting into high school, that's when um, I really started, you know, drinking more so. It, it was just one of those things, bro, where like alcohol quickly just became a part of my life. And it wasn't a problem. Like it wasn't like I was getting fucked up every, every like all the time, you know, because as a kid, like you, you're not trying to get hella wasted, but you're also relying on that to deal with certain things. Like, well, at least I was relying on it to deal with like the fact that I found out that my dad wasn't my dad. My mm-hmm. brothers and sisters weren't my full brothers and sisters. I was embarrassed because everybody was like pointing out like, oh, you're not real brothers and sisters or like, or like a shame that my mom had like different fucking fathers in our lives, you know? So like there was that. It's isolating. It suddenly cuts you off from like where you used to feel you belonged. Bro. and, And you know, it's, it's fucked up, you know, no family's perfect, but like that type of mentality really, really, uh, blinds you from all the positive things you know like and I'm not here to talk shit about my mom or my dad or like how they could have handled things better but they did so much good but everything good all the things they provided for me um, it just got blocked off by that one move by that one mindset that I had and it started triggering me you know feeling sorry for myself and like it's me against the world now you know type of mentality it's like fuck everybody I'm you know and 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 it and it was fucked up and it, and it also in a sense like brought this codependency in me and me with women like i started noticing that like i would talk to girls and i, I would tell them my problems and like they were very like, comforting so like i would always try to have a girlfriend and talk to them and like once they would like leave or we would break up like i was like that depressed fucking kid yeah like, yeah that's the love addiction, man. That's the sex and love addiction as well. It just it comes into play for so many addicts. I am curious though, like when did when did alcohol and and drugs start to take effect and start to have uh, more negative impacts on you? The negative impact really started happening after high school because after high school was when I didn't have like a set schedule, you know. Uh, I didn't have to wake up early, go to school. I didn't, I didn't go to school. I, I tried going to GCC, but at that point I was already slanging weed. I was on deck with the bomb is dank, bro. I'm <laughs> back in the days when you could sell a gram for 25 bucks. Imagine that. And that was the, that was like when I was getting ounces for three fifty, almost 400 bucks for that bomb shit. And I was selling, I was selling it in grams. You could make like a solid $200 off of just grams and I could get rid of it in a day and a half probably so that got me into uh the addiction of like money and making money and the the hustle so while I was slanging weed um I would drink you know drink and drive drink drinking and driving was always my shit man I love drinking and driving dude Uh, I used to love bumping that song hands on the wheel by schoolboy q and um, that song is is really something that always just pumped me up because I like getting fucked up. I like drinking while I'm. It just made me feel invincible. Um, but I'd say um, at the age of nineteen, when I was hitting, uh, I was hitting up these flyer parties. I was doing the Nas. I was doing. That's when I started doing coke actually because I started also hitting up the raves. Um. I started losing weight. I remember I always had like an athletic frame, but I was like probably 100 and 
30 pounds. Oh, wow. Skinny as fuck, dude. Um, I would get into car accidents. Um, I never got arrested from a car accident and I never thankfully got in a car crash, but I would always bump into shit flat tires lose control I, I hit a building once and like i left my car there and i never got it back it was crazy at a library yeah. in the middle of the night um but I, I think like it affected me the most and in the terms of early on was just the fact that i was risking a lot and my my overall health you could tell i wasn't a healthy guy i was i went from a, an athletic frame to like being just skin and bones yeah you're probably not eating right you're not sleeping properly yeah mm -hmm. um i hit the, uh, i would always start fights i would always talk shit to people i hurt people you know the worst part about um the way i would drink and use drugs is not even not not so like the physical hangover but the emotional hangover for me because yeah. i'm not that type of guy i'm, I'm not i'm a nice guy you know and I don't want to hurt people, but sometimes like there was just so much pain, so much anger that I had from other things and that victimized mindset that I would lash out when I drink because I wouldn't give a fuck. And I would say hurtful things, maybe some things that I actually meant, but they wouldn't come out right. And I think uh, verbally, I hurt more people than I did physically because I was 130 pounds. I can't, <laughs> <laughs> but I did get into, I, get, I got my ass beat a couple of times, bro, because I was picking fights with the wrong people for no reason, you know? And um, it was, it was at this point when I was, I was so depressed. No girl wanted to be with me. All the girls just wanted me for the drugs that I had or to party. And after that, it, it was like, no one wanted to be with me until one, one night, uh, at this point, I was already a pharmacy technician. I, I managed to go into school with my sister and I, was, I became wow. a pharmacy. Yeah, I copied her the whole way. <laughs> and I got my pharmacy tech license. I got a job as an intern in the pharmacy tech world. And um, I, I went to a bar. I met this beautiful girl. Um, I took some Xanax, got shit face drunk. Don't remember shit. I remember waking up uh, in a fucking in jail. Uh, and then my homie who I got locked up with was on the other side of the window was like, why are you over there? And then he's like in, in like where all the drunk people are. And I'm over here with the felons, like, what the fuck? And uh, I checked my, you know, the ticket, the paper, the yellow paper they gave you. And it says that, I, um, you know, I'm, I was arrested for attempted to sell. I had fucking I forgot I had like 50 Xanax on me because I was I mean, after. I'm sorry I skipped this, but after I started selling weed, I started selling pills because you put me in a room, a warehouse full of pills with no cameras. Yeah, I was about I, to say, like, no wonder you were going after the technician job. You just suddenly get a big supply, right? Bro, subconsciously, that's what I was thinking. But like at the yeah. time, I was like, I just want to have a career. Maybe this is how I'm going to meet a girl. But no, I set myself up for failure. Like I was getting promethazine with codeine, Percocets, Vicodin, Valium. Yeah, I was like a kid oh. in the candy shop, man. You're just yeah. taking whatever. Yeah, with no cameras, dude. I was pocketing everything. Yeah. And so that's how I got caught up with that. But like I was saying, I met this girl and, and she she liked me for at least that night. And uh, I remember her posting something on Facebook when I got out and it said free Johnny. Like this girl didn't even know me. <laughs> and and but right away I fell in love with her because she actually wanted me, regardless of how much I weighed, how I looked. And so that's how I met my kid's mother. 
And that's how it became very quickly a codependent relationship, toxic. And, um, you know, we both grew up with in a dysfunctional household. Um, so it took for me to get sober two years to realize that that's not the type of relationship I want to be in. And I got to tell you, bro, honestly, like, I think leaving her and my kids was probably even harder than getting sober. And I don't, wow. and I just... I, I say this because I think there's a lot of people out there that feel like they're stuck in these relationships because they have kids or because they're comfortable in like the house that they put together or like their bank accounts are joined. Um, but man, I was so unhappy. Even like, bro, I got sober. I, I got sober because I thought that our issues were because of my drinking and I treated her like shit, bro. She did not go anywhere. I did horrible things to her. And she wouldn't leave. And after I got, and it's crazy because while I was drinking, we, we would still actually be affectionate. We would fight, yeah, talk shit, a whole bunch of toxicity, but there was still that thing that connected us. Almost like we love that toxicity. And then once I got sober, it got worse. Like it didn't get worse of like us fighting. It got worse of us like disengaging from one another. Like wow. there was no connection. And yeah. so that's when I realized I was like, hey, like, we this is not going to work out i mean keep in mind you know we planned to have our first kid after three months we were together she moved in we moved in together after three months like it was like that very yeah. codependent very fast and we stayed together for eight years we lived like that for eight years after six years i got sober and um i had to leave the toughest thing i ever had to do but i think it's probably the best thing I ever, i've ever done for for me and for her and for my kids yeah yeah good for you man i think it's uh it's so sad like people think that they want to be with a happy healthy person but they actually are attracted to the dysfunction they're attracted to the chaos to the person needing them so when you got better it's like you didn't have that anymore you didn't have what was actually causing the connection or, or bringing about the connection that's so crazy yeah it really is man um, but you know what? We're in a better place now. She's in a better place. And like uh, she she actually she's a normie. She can drink. She could party. She could do her stuff. But like if you put both of us together drinking and doing all that, it's all bad. You know, so yeah. like she she can handle it. She's a good mother, actually. I'm not, I don't mean cool. to like say, like cool. you know, she's, she's a great mother. That's awesome. Can you tell me more about um, like what led to you getting sober? Like when were the when were the sort of the last days? What really led to you realizing that this had to this had to stop? Well, I always go back to like this one moment that I had. I was drunk. I was about to do a, some coke in the restroom at my house. And um, my nose was bleeding. I looked in the mirror and then I see this broken, sad human being with like just, you know, depressed. And I look in the mirror and, and then I, I asked myself, like, you know what, guy, like, you don't know your your own father you know you don't know your biological father you have an opportunity to be like a legit dad right now you know how would you feel like if your dad your biological father was this piece of shit person that you are now how would you feel if you were your kids you know and you find out this was you and like that moment bro like that my biological father's absence triggered like my presence and that moment, I just had this aha moment where like, fuck, I need to stop this shit. 
and that that thought alone that gave me such strong feelings of like fuck you know you need to be a dad you need to be that guy that that you always wanted and that you like hurt um you had your dad but not your biological father and your kids have a biological father but you're not technically being there for them bro i was i was picking up sacks drunk driving with my two-year-old in the backseat in the car whoa yeah i i bro i have this big ass car i've i've bled through my stomach i had a tube down my throat i've gone to multiple emergency rooms because i thought i was having an anxiety attack because of all the drugs that i was taking yeah um it's it, it was bad dude I, i've done some fucked up shit i've put my moms into like some fucked up situations and that incident right there just kind of unraveled all of that and and um I guess you could say it was because of my, my kids, like, and me being mm. a father, that's what really triggered me uh, to stop drinking. And, and for me, dude, like, you know, everybody has different ways of getting sober. Like, and I wasn't that guy that got, that went into a rehab, you know, um, that just wasn't my story. I, I always want to share at meetings or want to share at rehab centers or panels. I, you know, one thing I tell people is that, you know, like I stopped trying to, focus on the differences on how people got sober or what type of drug that they used. Although it's important because, you know, some people, you know, there's levels to it, but one thing, a common denominator that I always find is, is uh, the internal healing that you need to do. However, that may look, you know, and um, I had to go to work on myself, dude. But for me, it started, it started externally because for me, it was like a shallow mindset. It was, it was like, like getting my body physically good, like start, like gave me like a, like a little boost to want to get better and to feel better about myself. Um, I, I was, I stopped drinking. I didn't go through no program, but in order for me to do that, I was still smoking weed. So it wasn't, I call it alcohol free. We'd never really caused me to act like a maniac or do some crazy shit yeah but the reason why i don't smoke anymore is because you know it does affect my mental health so um i still count the day that i stopped drinking but i still smoked because it was a big accomplishment for me especially being in in a yeah a mexican like uh, bro any anybody that's that's like dude you don't drink what it's like what the fuck why what's wrong with you you know but it's um, way so, crazier than if you were like drunk driving, they would be more shocked by you being sober. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so like I said, I, those two years that I was with her, the last two years, I, I was still smoking weed, but I said, you know what, like the drinking is not the problem. We just don't click. So I left and, um, bro, this is where the real work started because I had to move back to my mom's house and, uh, I started noticing, I started noticing that like, it's going to be tough because all the triggers are over here. All the people that I used to kick it with um, just made me feel like, oh, damn, here we go again. This is going to be hard. How am I going to not drink? So what I did is like, I, I basically locked myself at my mom's house, started working on myself physically. And what happened is once I started really noticing a change in my body, I started feeling better about myself. And um I've always liked to write. So I got a journal and I started 
journaling. I started writing letters to my biological father. Um, I started writing about like my mom and like how I felt as a kid. And this wasn't like no through no program, dude. I just I just picked up the pen and wrote about these things. I don't know, I don't know how or I didn't know I was gonna provide this type of healing, but I did. And the craziest thing happened while I was doing a journal entry, bro. I had this flashback. I had this flashback of my old neighbor who was probably like seven years older. I was, uh, I think I believe I was eight. I was eight years old. I don't know how, like he was eight years old. So he was probably like 16. Um, Yeah. And I have this flashback of me and him being at us at a house party um we were older and him just apologizing saying i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry and i'm like for what the fuck are you talking about he just kept saying he's sorry he's sorry he's sorry and while i was doing this journal entry i had a flashback of this guy literally molesting me as a child whoa and that same day i was like holy fuck this shit happened more than once and you just completely blocked it out i had blocked bro i did not i guess as i was writing through all of these things that popped up and i wrote about it and what's crazy is that what what i thought to myself was like man he apologized and i completely ignored it whoa and I was like, how do you feel about this? And at this point in my life, bro, I have, I have some, some, some alcohol free time, if you want to call it that, you know, um, I've been working on myself. I feel better about myself. And I was like, I want to, I want to accept his apology. Hmm. So that same day, bro, I went to the old house where I used to live, the old block and knocked on dude's door. It looked like he's seen a ghost, man. I just, I said, yo, what's up? And he was like, hey, what's up, man? How are you? And I was like, nothing much, man. I just want to tell you that um, you apologized to me years back and I didn't acknowledge it. And like, I just want to say that I forgive you. Holy. Bro, this man looked shook, but at the same time, relieved. Yeah. He, he nodded his head. He said, okay. And I just left, bro. And at that moment, man, I'd had like this big feeling of strength. Like, bro, like I've, I've, I've been working out for a while and like, I've never, I haven't felt that way ever since because it's like that inner strength of like, whoa, like, dude, you did this. Like you were able to face this shit. Like, it's nothing like I've ever felt before. And, and it's, and it's just, um, I guess it was a tribute to everything that I have been doing internally. And if I didn't do that, I'd probably say like, um, I would probably not be doing this podcast with you because I, Hmm. I realized how, how much of a milestone that really was for me to really accept and forgive. And it's just one of those moments, man, where I look back now, and I fuck, like I'm proud of myself for that, dude. I, I really man, am. I'm proud of you too, man. That's like, that's just so powerful. 
I can't believe that happened where what really what blows me away is like you did this on your own you did this it was all intuitive it was all like in your own process you just knew that that was the right thing to do like there was clearly some sense that you had to do that and that was the right thing and then you had the strength to go do it that's incredible like that's so powerful one thing that like I was telling you earlier, bro, like I've always been really, really intuitive. I was just always naive or I didn't want to believe certain things, but like, mm. I'm just so intuitive. Like it's crazy, man. Sometimes I could even predict things. I don't want to trip your fucking listeners out, but sometimes, <laughs> man, I'm, I, I don't know, dude, I have visions. I can manifest shit. And, um, I just have like this spiritual, aliveness like i don't even know if that's the word but i'm gonna make it a word it's a fucking spiritual yeah. aliveness in me <clears throat> makes sense to me and um it's there and I, I make sure to listen to it you know because it doesn't speak to me loudly it, it whispers and you really gotta tune in and be conscious about that so um, another i guess you know like i'm just gonna move forward and just talk about like the spiritual process and like growing yeah, yeah tell me tell me for me, dude, aside from, aside from, you know, journaling, which is to me, I consider that emotional, uh, well-being or emotional, uh, how can you call that emotional well-being? Right. And, and then you have the physical aspect, but the spiritual aspect for me is, it's just, it's more important because now I believe in God. Now I get on my knees and I pray, but it wasn't always like that. You know, I had to get into crystal chakras and, um, the energies and like my favorite is amethyst you know it's the, it's the addiction crystal and um i started meditating dude i really started silencing my mind because my mind goes crazy dude and the moment i learned how to do that um i had a i had an experience a few times where like i was in such deep meditation that i felt uh, a body and spirit separation like i felt like i was elevating Oof. And it was, it was an amazing experience, dude. And uh, that's uh, when I did that, I, when I accomplished that, I realized that the spiritual world is real. And that's when I started being more open-minded as to like, okay, you know, so like meditating works. I, I don't know what the fuck that was, but it had to be some spiritual shit. So I started tapping in and I started talking to God and when I get on my knees and I pray, dude, um, it's, it's, I mean, I'm Catholic, but I don't know how to pray. Like I, I'm, it's not like I'm, I say a, like a full blown prayer. Like I, I talk to him, mm. I talk to him and, and I, um, I share with him what I'm grateful for. Um, and I also share with him how I, I ask him, how can I help people? And when I, when I speak like from this source, I, I get like this, this, these goosebumps throughout my whole body. And that's how I know I'm being genuine. You know, because there's sometimes where I get on my knees and I pray and I don't feel that. And I'm just like, well, where's this coming from, Johnny? Why are you asking for this? Like, what is, where's the root? What are your intentions with it? But when I speak or when I pray from, when I pray from, you know, a, a place of gratitude or a place of giving back, not necessarily just receiving it's it's an incredible feeling bro like that's what I, that to me that's praying and you know it's not it doesn't come like that all the time dude but um yeah that's what i, I feel i grew up catholic i was raised catholic as well and i think it, it took me so long 
to actually learn how to pray because I used to think that praying was just kind of reciting these words, right? The rosary, reciting Hail Marys. And it's so different. Like, it's so different. The way you're describing that is beautiful of just having something, uh, having a space to really speak something true and something genuine. Um, And I don't understand God. I don't know if anybody else does, but if you can experience that, I think that's incredible. And that's how... That's how you can have that happiness and that peace of mind that you have today. And it's available to anybody. It's available to anybody who puts in that work like you did, who like really spent that time on your own and, and went after it. Like you were looking for that. Yeah. And I, and I think it's like on a subconscious level, dude. And that's another topic, you know, like I, I have. So so when I talk about my recovery, I like to separate it into four pieces. You know, you have the physical aspect that triggered, you know, the emotional and then that went on to the spiritual and and for me bro like understanding the subconscious and conscious mind you know um in my opinion from books that i've read and information that i've gathered you know the mind is made up of two pieces and that's the conscious and subconscious and the subconscious works 90 percent uh in our mind and the conscious works 10 percent. and one thing that i wasn't doing before is i wasn't conscious of like the decisions that I was making conscious of like the words that I was saying, the thoughts that I was thinking, the people that I would hang around with. It's all just automatic. Yeah. So subconsciously I was programmed through like all these other things. And like the thoughts were not even my thoughts. There were other people's thoughts. There were other people's insecurities, but I wasn't conscious enough to say, Hey, that's not me block that. Um, And once I got a true understanding of like being aware of what's good for me and what's not good for me and how significantly sensitive I am to energy, to information, to people, places, and things. I, it's like a superpower, dude. Like I, I know that if I'm not feeling right, it's because I'm feeding, I'm consuming something that is not serving me. Yeah. You know? So like, as soon as I found that out, I was like, okay, let's put this to the test. I started reading stuff that helps me i started hanging out with people that are like-minded that were um you know spiritually fit as well you know they carried right energy and i started feeling better man and i know for a fact that as soon as i stopped doing any of these four things something i'm lacking on and it's because it may either be i'm not on my fitness stuff i may not be i'm not on my emotional balance writing stuff uh, i'm not tapping in with god enough or yeah. I'm consuming information. It could even be music that's just very low frequency, like a very low vibration. How do you find people that are spiritually fit, like you said? Because I'm curious about that. I mean, you didn't, you don't have the traditional story of doing AA or doing NA. Um, so how do you find these people, and how do you how do you connect with people that are like minded? They're everywhere, dude. And I don't, I don't, I don't find them per se. It just it just happens, bro. Like yesterday, I was I went to the vet. I went to the vet and um, I brought my dog. And this is a good looking dog. I don't mean to brag, but my dog's a beast. <laughs> the bulldog, eh? He's no, no, no. He's, he's an American bully. Sorry, it's because there's a big difference between the bulldog and the American bully. And I'm really trying to perfect this breed. But anyways, um, I went to the vet and this guy all tied it up, all blasted. He was like, hey, Holmes, that's a dope-ass dog. Like, he came at me like that, and I didn't judge him. I was like, hey, you know, thanks. And he was like, man, this is a beautiful dog. And I was like, you know, thank you. We started talking about it. We started talking about tattoos. 
and I saw his shirt. It said Homeboys Industry. And I was like, hey, bro, you work for Homeboys Industry? He's like, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, and I was like, how is it like working? He's like, man, it's so fulfilling. I get to help people. I, I get wow. to, you know. And he started talking with so much passion. And I was like, bro, I love that shit, dude. And we were talking for hours at the freaking vet. Everybody was looking at us too, tatted up as dudes, talking about, you know, being vulnerable shit in prison and, and and changing the world and it starts with you and i'm actually gonna have him on my podcast pretty soon and talking about no prison life he wants to bring me into homeboys industry so i can share my stuff and speak and for me to re- do podcasts there and have people come on so the the point of this bro is that they're everywhere like i said you just gotta be aware of that energy and and, and just they come to you, you know, you attract mm-hmm. it, bro. Like it's, yeah. it's, I don't know, man. I don't know how to put this. Like I, I've met so many people like this in AA and NA meetings as well. Um, but there's, I'm not going to lie, bro. There's some people that in those meetings that have a yeah. good amount of time that I just don't feel it. Yeah, for sure. You know, so people could talk a good game. They could say, well, woo, this and that. But like, I, I'm not going to deny the frequency that I'm feeling for you. Uh, you can spit a good game, but uh-uh. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's just something that I've gotten really good at. That's awesome, man. I'm happy for you. And I think that, um, yeah, it's something that I think I've struggled with in my own, in my own recovery is, uh, moving on and, and finding those connections because in the past, I mean, the people that I connected with, it just, it wasn't that type of friendship. It wasn't that type of relationship that drove me to become a better person and drove me to, to be more spiritual. Um, so it's awesome. It's awesome what you said. And I, it gives me hope of, of continuing on that journey and, and attracting more people like that, building those friendships. Yeah, I really do think it's, it's like an attraction thing. And it's like, it, it's, it can be something like forced, you know, and you got to also check your intentions. Like I hadn't, like, I didn't go to this freaking vet with intentions of like trying to link up with somebody like it just kind of happened. And I was aware of his shirt and I read homeboys industry and I didn't judge the guy and lo, go and behold, he's doing amazing things in, in, in the community to try to help people um, that just getting out of prison, even with re- recovery and stuff like that. So um, they're, they're just, you know, they're, they're everywhere. We just got to really yeah. tune in, tune into that type of stuff. And even with relationships, bro, like, you know, you, sometimes you just really like want this girl and like, you're looking for, you're looking for, and you're looking for, and it's almost by force. And you feel like, it's almost like if you act like, as if you don't have it, you're never going to get it. So like, mm. pretend like you already have it. And I'm really big on this shit. Like as pretend as, as if you already have it and it's going to come to you. It's, it's, there is no doubt about it like there is no other option because you already feel it within you so it's going to manifest itself and it's going to come to you and that's the way um i guess i conduct myself now and i mean it's not always like this you know but like this it's it's just uh one of those things man that you just can't really predict and it, it just happens and you know as long as you're living your truth you're doing things with the right intentions and um things will just happen for you, bro. It's, it's, just, it's just the way, in my opinion, the way uh, things have worked out for me, at least. Man, you have, you know what, you have like a, you have a joy and like a passion in your voice. It's so contagious. Um, and I'm happy for you, man. I think I hear your dog in the background. Is that, is your dog in the room or is he sleeping? That boy's snoring right now. <laughs> I knew it. 
Oh, you were in the middle of saying something deep, and I just hear like a deep snore behind you. So funny. Yeah, this was past the fuck out. I love this guy, man. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, listen, it's been so good having you on the podcast. I love talking to you and and learning from you. And um, I'd love to connect more with you in the future, man, and um, talk to you more, have you back on the show. Of course. What do you think is, uh, if somebody is to go like listen to an episode of yours or to to go find some of your content, like a YouTube video, is there like one thing you can really recommend? Like what's the one thing you wish everybody checked out that, you, that you've created? Oh, wow. You know, that's, man, that's a tough one, dude, because everybody just, one thing I've learned is that everybody just comes from all different walks of life, man. And the thing about it is I think that anything that you watch on there, um, regardless of what you've been through, you're going to resonate with. Uh, it doesn't matter what video it is. You could be somebody that didn't even go through AA and you watch a freaking AA video. You're going to get something from it because the, the way I, I structured this, my podcast is just uh, expressing vulnerability and I think when somebody's being vulnerable, it doesn't matter what you're really saying. You can connect yeah. to somebody on on a level where you feel for them if you're empathetic. You feel for them, and and you know what, man? Just sometimes, or all the times, like things will happen for a reason. So like, so somebody can be listening to this and they'll click on any video, and that's exactly the video they need to click. If I go on here and say, "Oh, you need to you need to watch the podcast with Mohawk Matt." because I think it's good. I'm doing you a disservice because mm. the law of attraction, again, whichever video that you attract, whichever video you click, that's the right one for you. Well said, well said. All right, man. Well, I'm going to go uh, check out your more of your podcast and see which one attracts me. I'm going to go take a look. Um, it's been Alrighty. so good meeting you. And uh, yeah, till next time, I hope to I hope to connect with you again in the future. Thank you for having me, Adrian. I really do appreciate the platform, man. Keep doing what you're doing, bro. God bless. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of The Addictive Pod. It would mean a lot to me if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Leave a review about the podcast. It helps me to grow the audience and for more people to find episodes like this one. If you enjoyed listening to Johnny tell his story, go over and check out his YouTube. He has a ton of content out there. It's Grounded Phoenix. And his website is groundedphoenix.com. I'm going to put some links in the description so it's easy to find that. My Instagram is at addictivepodcast. You can follow me there to stay up to date with episodes coming out. And until next Wednesday, remember that we recover together. <laughs>